0: We were lying in bed one night, Gretchen and I, and uh, she woke me up. I was preaching in my sleep, and I said, to the glory of God, and I need her uh, with a shout, so. So you're gonna get a nighttime message. I'm honored to be able to have this opportunity to minister to you, and I hope that it does minister to you. hope that you take home with you what you hear from the Lord. It will do you no good if you don't act upon it. The Word of God will produce nothing in your life uh, through your faith. You can believe in the Word of God as much as you want, but if you don't do it, it's not going to if you don't become it if you don't embrace it if you don't apply it to your life and i want to encourage you uh, and I, I look out and i see people heads nodding i see and i look at the ones whose heads are nodding. and i've watched them take the word of god i've watched them take it and apply it to the life and put their life into it and so i want to encourage you to, to give ear to hear what the spirit is getting ready to say to us he's going to say something to us this morning that he's already said to us once before i'm not as much returning to a message as a message is returning to us. It was a few years ago, uh, preached from this concept, from this heart, and I really feel like the Lord put it on my heart, and I'll tell you why in just a minute of how I was confirmed that that happened. Why don't you take your Bible in hand with me for just a moment. This is a very serious. I don't want to eliminate this or take this out of uh, the scripture. This is important to you. This is, your, this is your manual. This is the way to know to do life. This is your history book. Your, your life is in here. It says in, in Psalm 139 that every, everything about your life is in here right now. So I want to declare this together. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I'm going to be who it says I can be. It was written for me, for my correction, my direction, and my soon coming resurrection. Oh Lord, be it unto me according to your word in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. RSVP. Responds, silvois plate. <laughs> French. Yeah. I don't need further lessons, Gretchen. She helped me some this morning. It's initially a, a, a French phrase, literally meaning please respond. Please respond. Have you ever received an invitation to somewhere, political, relational, economical, somewhere you got an invitation to something? And it was requesting your presence, your attendance. It was trying to make you a part of whatever that event was. And at the bottom it said RSVP. And then sometimes it'd be a little blank line like how many are in your party. You know, four or eight or, or whatever, but RSVP. Have you ever received one of those and not filled it out? Yes. Have you ever sent them out expecting and hoping people to respond? And then they don't, and you don't know what to prepare for. Did I already say to you, unbeknownst to being in our message, that God's preparing a place for you through Jesus Christ in heaven? We need to RSVP. We need to respond. Uh, We don't have to as much say, I'm coming, but we need to respond to what is coming to us. Are you with me? So I want to talk about the invitation that the Lord presented to us a few years ago into the fellowship of the burning hearts. Now, I'll expound upon that a little bit. I woke up on a Sunday morning and I had already pretty much figured what I was going to preach. It already felt like the night before the Lord had been dropping in my spirit for the rising of the sun of the next day that I was going to preach this message. And and lo and behold, I walked in my study and and I heard the voice of the Lord. Literally heard. Now, this was not an audible, sense. I heard the Spirit of God speaking to my spirit, as if a whisper. And he said, I want to invite you into the fellowship of the burning hearts. It was almost as if I was feeling a little bit interrupted because I had a plan of what I was supposed to do, but it was almost like this was very needful to be able to respond or be able to, uh, to investigate into this and find out and, and make a decision before I could go any further than where I was. And it's a little late in my life, I'm 58 years old, I've been about 56 at that time, and and I thought, well, this is an interesting invitation, and I I was like, Lord, you know, and then all of a sudden, the scripture came to me. Luke 24 came to me, and, and did not our hearts burn in us as he talked with us? And I could feel something just burning like an inferno inside of my heart. I could feel this flame flickering and moving inside my heart. Have you ever felt passionate before? You ever felt zealous about something before? Have you ever felt just just lit up about something that's inside of you? There was something, there was, a, there was a force, there was a sense, there was an energy inside of you that was bigger than, that was more than what you had been able to develop or, or build in your life. And I don't do this often. I'm not a social media person. I'm not uh, somebody that does a lot of Research on internet and stuff. That's just—it's not. It's just not me. It's just not what I do. I'm not saying somebody's wrong. Thank God, some people know how to do it. But I, I thought, who's in this fellowship? And I thought, well, maybe I'll just search online. You know, the fellowship of the burning hearts. Four names came up. Four names came up. I'm sure there's, there's thousands, hundreds, you know, just as Elijah, you know, found out there are 7,000 more. He wasn't the only one. It's, not, it's really not an exclusive. It's an inclusive club. Yeah, it is. Matter of fact, he invited me so I can invite others. That's right. And so I looked at this, and the names that came up were A.W. Tozer. Uh-huh. Right. Leonard Ravenhill. Okay. Bill Johnson. Yeah. Bill Bright. And I thought, that's kind of the four winds right there. Yeah, right? That's kind of, you know, signs, wonders, and miracles, the teaching of Christ, of the prophet. I mean, it's all kind of in a, like, oh. <laughs> Then I started thinking, really? Yeah. Me? What would be the significance of that? Hopefully, the significance would become not my elevation, not my promotion, not my identification, but your betterment. That's For some Reason, God in heaven, knew, and he called me to preach to you. He called me to teach in the midst of you. I don't get the credit for that. I don't get the glory for that. That's just an assignment. That's just an assignment. And yesterday, or the day before... Gretchen and I and the family were at a conference. I was ministering a couple uh, sessions at a conference and with some friends of ours, a lot of people, and people from all over the country were at this conference. And, and I took uh, Levi and David and, and, and Austin. We went to this breakfast. And, you know, just recently, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a proud father here, but recently Levi responded to the call of God on his life and surrendered his life to, to be in ministry. And, and so he went to this ministerial fellowship. That's right, to God be the glory. Gretchen and I have determined, and we learned from an older saint and her husband, that our responsibility is not to call them into the ministry. We will not force any of our children into the ministry. Our responsibility is to develop their character, and God will do the calling. I don't tell them whether they're prophets or whether they're evangelists. or whether No, no, no. Their personalities don't need to determine who they are. Got something God gives them, something God calls them to. And so I took them to a breakfast that I did not need to attend, but I felt the need to attend. And I took them, and, and Levi, even at 16 years old, signed up for the ministerial fellowship wow. you know, of, that, of that group of people there. And, and, and so we sat down, and it was at a breakfast, maybe 150, 160 people there, all in the ministry. And seated next to me was a young, young girl, I would say young, mid-20s maximum. Across from here, another girl her age, another one uh, a little bit her senior, maybe 40-something or 50-something. And they've got their stuff. They're having breakfast just like us. And, and Levi and those guys and David and Lawson and Pastor Jay Bailey, they're all talking to each other over there. And I just felt the compelling to the girl next to me. And I was seated next to her. And, and uh, as we're talking, and I realized at that, that moment, it was a really cool moment, she had no idea who I was. She had no idea that I was part of the conference, that I was uh, going to be speaking. I had no knowledge whatsoever. So we're having a really fun conversation. And I looked at her, and this prompting came out of my heart because there was something passionate in my heart. When you have a burning heart, people will get passion out of you. Yeah, that's right. And I looked at her and I said, Has anybody ever told you you're pretty, you're beautiful? Excuse me, you're beautiful? It, like she stopped in her tracks, and you could see the escalator or elevator going down to have to pull out the last time somebody said it. And she said, Yeah, but it was some time ago. My heart was going with hers. And I said, well, they were right. You'd think that's creepy from a 58-year-old man yeah. to a 25-something-year-old girl. But when it's coming from the right heart, they don't have to wonder, is it a father or a pervert? That's right. Right. Or a creep? There you, go. you see, I don't spend time creeping on the social media, so I don't have a creepy heart. That's right. Be careful. Be careful. The Bible talks about creeping things. It doesn't talk about them in a good way either. Nope. Be careful where you're creeping. And so the conversation carried on. I could not even tell you any of the rest of the conversation. It's probably a conversation I've had with people before. But we just kind of talked and let her talk and asked some questions. And then time went on and I needed to go. And they stayed at the conference. I had to go back and seek God because I had a session that afternoon and came back into that session. Never saw this girl again. Never once saw her. I had a three-and-a-half, three-hour-and-forty-five-minute session. feel like one of those this morning. They were back-to-back, back. but the ministry time extended the next one. So now we're back for the night service. And, and after the service is over, boom, there she is, the trio, trio, the three musketeerettes are standing in front of me, backpacks and everything. And, and the one who I had the conversation with is standing face away with me and she looked more beautiful than she'd ever looked before. This is how you know you love somebody is if they look beautiful more today than they did yesterday or any other day. She's standing there. She said, I had a biblical experience with you today. And I thought, somebody get me a theologian. <laughs> now, that's an interesting introduction at the end of a service. She said, I had a biblical uh, 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 experience uh, experience with you today I said really I said what was that her two friends are just there found out one's an aunt one's a best friend and they're just all just sitting there looking and she said well she said I sat down with you at breakfast and as as you spoke with me and I spoke with you my heart started to burn inside of me I said you know it's interesting my wife came back and told me this morning At the lunch hour, she repeated Bishop Joseph Garlington's message. He's 88 years old, African-American man who can preach the gospel with the love of Christ. And he talked about the fellowship of the burning hearts. And I can remember Joseph Garlington in my life always from a distance saying, there's something that man has. I don't know what you came here and want of. And God may heal your elbow. He may heal your cancer. He may heal this or that. But that's just going to make your body feel better. God doesn't want your body. He wants your heart. God has something to give your heart that there's no other body part could hold it. If I put fire in your knees, you'd be pained. If I put fire in your shoulder you would have shoulder pain the fire in your heart gives you passion for God you'll feel pain the pain of others the pain of his suffering the pain of resistant worship you'll feel it you feel it she said so so I sat there and, and, and my heart started to burn I said I know that scripture I said my wife just said that the guy she never knew she was not working on what Bishop Joseph said. She made had no she said, "Really?" She didn't catch that part in the service. She didn't catch it. She said, "And I sat there as my heart started to burn. I thought, I would like to sit under this man's teaching." That's what she said. She said, "Those are the words that came to me." She said, "And then I showed up at your session." And I said, "That's him." I am having a biblical experience. I'm getting to sit underneath the one who caused my heart to burn inside of me as he spoke to me and my destiny. That kind of reminded me. I load up on an airplane tomorrow and I catch a lot of flack because I go and preach the gospel. I think there's something wrong with a person who doesn't want a person to preach the gospel. The calling on my life is prayer and and preaching of the word. That's the calling on my life. We have so many preachers in here. You you could go two months. You could go two years without me preaching. You'll be just fine. Just fine. I love you. I love you deeply. I love you dearly. Come on this journey with us. We're going to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. I load up on an airplane. I could have gone with them to build a house, but I didn't because my assignment was to go preach. In 2020, after God had given me this invitation and the world was going crazy, I mean crazy, right? It was just weird out there. Nothing seemed to make any sense but God. But God. They called me up from this base, this missions base in Mazatlan, Mexico, where we've built three houses now. And they said, Could you do a Zoom call? I said, A what? A what? A Zoom call. I said, Let me get back with you on that. Jess? Uh huh. What's a Zoom call? She goes, Oh. I kid, can I do one? She said, probably not without me. And the cool thing is, every Zoom call I still do, I do it with Jess. Sometimes her picture is on there, sometimes it isn't. I might be talking to somebody in another part of the world, and she hasn't done all that stuff yet. She gets it on there. So I get back and say, yeah, yeah, I can do a Zoom call. With. They're a whole base, 80 to 100-some people. Uh, Twenty-seven different, 28 different nations are represented on this Zoom call. And I said, what do I say? Thank God they could all speak English. Thank God. That made it a lot easier for me. And the Lord said, invite them into the fellowship. And I I like, oh, oh, the fellowship. I said, yeah. Because my heart was burning in 2020. Still burns right now. There's a flame inside. Of it. We are not going to be defeated. We're not going to be shut down. We'll advance it. We'll, we'll, we'll double expand the church. We'll move up. Come on. And I said, okay. So I spent some time with them on the phone. Short, long story to make it short now. And I introduced them into the fellowship of the burning heart. And all of a sudden, God took over the Zoom call. People started praying. People started crying. People started, they took their eyes off of the one who brought the invitation put around the ones who sent the invitation. If you can learn to take your eyes off the one who brings, oh, the ones who bring, the ones who bring the invitation and put your eyes on the one who's doing the inviting, you won't be worried about this stuff as much. You'll be able to press into the one who's called you, amen? who created you in his likeness and in his image. You know why I told her she was beautiful? Because the word of God says she's beautiful. She's fearfully and wonderfully made and beautiful. Listen, God is beyond description. And she's created in his image. I don't have any other words but to tell you you're beautiful. I didn't say, girl, you're hot. I didn't say, girl, you're... No, I said, you're beautiful because he is beautiful, and we need to learn to worship him in the beauty of holiness. So I leave tomorrow. When I was a little boy, my mom's probably online. She's my roadblock to hell and intercession. When I was a little boy, I used to walk around the house singing, I'm leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. Kiss me, say goodbye, and all that kind of I told Gretchen, "So I'm not perfect. I told Gretchen, sitting in her mom and dad's driveway, yeah. one night I looked at her, I said, I will never, when we get married, I will never sleep in a bed without you. <laughs> Thank God she knows better. <laughs> so I get on an airplane tomorrow, and I go to Mazatlan, Mexico, I will fly in on Monday, get there at 11 o'clock at night, get to the base about midnight. I will fly out Friday morning and come back here. I won't miss a Sunday. I'll be a good boy. But I will be there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for 16 hours of teaching to a school they named that they birthed, the Fellowship of the Burning Hearts. Uh, Listen. I, I don't know where we might be going right now. I have no idea where the service may, may end up and get to. But here's the reality. Just the other day, I, I wrestled over yesterday afternoon. I was praying. I was like, Lord, should I preach on the prophetic culture we have here? Should I preach on the evangelistic nature that we have here? Lord, how do I get in I said, no, I want you to give the invitation. If you ever somebody deliver you the invite, they give you the invite. And then they start talking about something else, and you put it in your pocket, put it in your wife's purse or somewhere, and then you forget about it. So I better get back on the message. We had a guy come up to us at the end of service last night. Gretchen and I were standing there two nights ago. Same night. Oh, by the way, this girl, now this girl and her aunt are in the most comfortable or uncomfortable slain-in-the-spirit position. They both got prayed for and fell out, but they had backpacks on. So they're laying there with the backpack on there. Yeah, it looked pretty comfortable, to be honest with you, after a long conference. This guy came up, and they made a call over barren women, over people who and impotent people that they could have children by this time next year, and they're going to do, a, at this conference, going to do a baby dedication of all the Rurock babies. Well, a guy came up to me and said, hey, he said, last year, you pray with me. Right after my wife had a miscarriage, you pray with me. He said, look at this picture. Well, the picture was good, but what was better when the little baby came carried up? And they said, It says Rhubach baby number one. Friends, God is powerful. I don't know what you're vacant of. I don't know what you're broken from. I don't know what you're tired of. I don't know what's going on in your life. But you're in a place that believes that you can have a breakthrough. You can have a miracle. Deli- you can have a miracle. You can have signs and wonders in your life. You can have blessing in your life. We're here to support you. Matter of fact, my prophetic is not meant to prove me. It's meant to improve you. The message I preach is not to make me a better preacher or more social status on the social media. It is to improve the church and make the bride of Christ as white as she can be, as wrinkle-free as she can be, and as pregnant as she can be, and as fruitful as she can be. God's gonna bless this house. Amen. You're welcome. Why would we want our hearts to be on fire? The question is, why would God want our hearts to be on fire? I won't have time to go into the depths of all this, and maybe we'll go deeper and deeper into it as the days go by. But the first thing I have to ask you do you want an invitation? Have you ever not gotten an invitation to somewhere and you felt like you were left out, rejected? This is inclusive. It's not exclusive. God is not saying they can be in, but you can't be in. He's saying whosoever, you can have this. He gave that invitation through the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ. You can have this. Hebrews 12, 29 says, for our God is in consuming fire. So if God's on fire, we're made in his image, we ought to be on fire. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. He, he's on fire. It's not a new concept. It's a fresh revelation, but it's consistent with God. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says, For the Lord our God is a consuming fire. Not only that, he's a jealous God. He does not like it when something controls your time. He does not like it when something distracts you. Listen, you think that temptation is just a devil. No, it is God's jealousy. He does not want that to take you from him. It's a jealous God. He's not insecure. He's passionate. He cares for what he has. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. That was God in the bush. And the voice spoke out of the same voice that spoke to Jesus and still speaks to you and I. God appeared to him in flames of fire. In Exodus chapter 13, 21 through 22, God led the children of Israel by a pillar of fire. God, the Bible tells us God is fire. God works by fire. God appears by fire. God leads by fire. The law of the burnt offering was that the fire must not go out. Listen to me. You and I are supposed to have a lamp in our hearts. And throughout the consistency of God, God does not burn out. We should not burn out either. God does not go uh, flameless at all. God is consistently on fire. You and I in our hearts ought to be always on fire, burning. Amen? Leviticus chapter 9, 24. Moses and Aaron, the blessing of the people, the fire the consuming of offering. There's also profane fire. You'll find in the New Testament, there is strange fire. Profane fire is when man strikes the match himself. It's kind of like when Isaac came forth out of the desires of the flesh uh, from, from the Ishmael, excuse me, Ishmael came out of the desires of the flesh. You can start fires that don't need to be started. You can get up here and juke and jank all you want, but if it's not the Holy Ghost moving inside of you and you're trying to stir up some kind of goofy, silly, charismatic Pentecostal uh, fanatic kind of stuff that's strange fire, God's not going to bless it He's not going to bless it, you can give false prophecies, God's not going to bless it matter of fact, He brings the end to it so we have got to understand the fire, the fire of God is important, the fire of God, if you are hosting the fire of God in your bosom, you're holding the fire of God in your heart you're holding God in your heart it's not just a manifestation of God. It is God. It's a portion of God. Faith without fire it's not going to produce anything. It's not going to be pure. It's not going to be holy. There's so much that the fire presents and brings to us. God, I want you to know God is fire. It's not something to be afraid of. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 40, a great story. The prophets of Baal are up there, and they're taunting Elijah. And Elijah says, this is what we'll do, man. We'll big we'll a big uh, 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 ring around this. We'll put fire out there. Nobody puts fire. We'll put wood out there. Bring water and pour water in it. And the God who answers by fire, that is the God. And listen, when the fire came up, everybody who was worshiping Baal, except for the prophets, all turned to God. Could fire be what brings revival? I don't have time to take into Baal worship right now. I don't have time to take into all the abortions, all the homosexuality, all the transgenderism. All that is under the spirit of Baal, friends. You can pet people all you want. The reality is you're tending to a spirit of unholiness. But the reality is it's the fire that's going to change things. In Second Chronicles 7, 1 through 3. Solomon's dedicating the, the, the tabernacle. And what comes? The fire comes. You know what came first? The fire came first. You know what came after that? The glory. We will not have the glory of God. Listen, he said, you need to understand this. Get out of religious church attendance. This place needs to be on fire. And until it's on fire, it will not have the glory. He said in the latter days, prophetically has said, And all of his prophecies get fulfilled. He said that the the latter house shall be filled with the glory of God. But I see everywhere the fire comes before the presence comes. We have got to have the fire of God. So all we need to do, I can't get up here and say, hey, here it is and throw it on you. We need to desire it. We need to desire the fire of God. We need to desire and we need to accept the invitation that we want to be part of the fellowship. So so fire, understanding fire, do you realize and do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Do you know enough to realize that you are a tabernacle in and of yourself? It's a human tent, and that tabernacle is not meant for the musings of your own delights. Our tabernacle is meant for the presence of God. That the spirit of the living God doesn't cohabitate. Jesus isn't just another God or another prophet. They have authority. They have rule in our life. You see, God, way back in the children of Israel, when they're wandering around for 40 years, God said, you know what you guys need to do? Build a mobile tabernacle. Construct a tabernacle that can move. That was a foreshadow of who and you are. In just a few minutes, you're going to walk out of this building, and you're going to move from one phase of life into another phase, and that's fine. That's called life. But do not forget, you're the tabernacle of God. Do not forget that you're the carrier of the presence of God, and do not think for a moment that where you're going, there's not somebody there living in distress and living in trouble and living in pain and living in darkness, that you're not going to be a light to them. You may stop some boy at a railroad, train track, who's getting ready to walk in and be mutilated, torn to pieces. You think that's God's will for his life? No, that's the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. A young man put his arm between the devil and God's intent and God's purpose and saved a person from the pits of hell. Don't for a moment think that God says, well, go get drunk and die and then I'll save you. Don't for a moment think that. The enemy says, get drunk, I'll distract you. And I'll steal you and I'll snatch you. But he didn't know that Joe Lindsay going to be walking up on that road with that intercessing wife that he has there that's been praying like crazy in the fire, not even knowing she's praying for it, and put his arm between him and a train? You can have Superman in a cape all you want. Give me men and women of God like that and we'll change the world. We're not looking for Spider-Man and Superman. God's just looking for humans that he can do super things through stuff's real. Coincidence. No, it's not. Not at all. Divine appointment. And you know, there's one waiting for you outside these doors. There might be one for you inside these doors today. Portable. It was portable. The altar and the brazen altar was part of that tabernacle. The brazen altar, the altar that was on fire, that the fire was never supposed to go out. That fire, listen to me, that fire was meant to be fed. That fire was meant to be tended to. Friends, your, your brazen altar is your heart. Yes. Come on. And it keeps a flame and a fire going in there where sin can't penetrate and you can't get into sin. Amen. It was the largest of the seven furnishings in the tabernacle. Matter of fact, it was so large and so obvious that when you walked in from the outer courts here, when you walked in the outer court aspect there, you could not not notice it. Uh, so where's the brazen altar in the church? It's right here. There's so many symbolic types of it. You cannot keep coming here, and you won't be able to keep coming here by carrying and doting sin in your life and think that you're going to be able to worship God. So it concerns me that in the last three to four weeks we've been struggling with worship, that the flame's going out in somebody's life or they're dancing with the world. They're playing with with demons and at the devil's table. It will hinder your worship because you can't worship unless you go into the brazen altar. Now, you may be saying, oh, he's talking to me because of this, that, and the other thing. You know what? You're probably right. <laughs> but you know what? I don't know what you know. I just know what he spoke to me yesterday, what he spoke to me the day before. I know the invitation he gave me two years ago, and I feel like he said, Greg, I've got a lot of blank RSVPs. I don't know what to count on. I don't know who's coming. I don't know who's going to step into this thing. But I do know that the brazen altar is very important because it's also the place of burnt offerings. It's where there were sacrifices. Listen to me. Your, sacrifice, your, your worship is not your attendance. No, it's your time to sacrifice. Goofy people going up to the altar up there, sacrifice. It's called an altar. <laughs> yeah, I want about the years that I, that I lived as, a, as an altar boy. Matter of fact, we called them acolytes and knew nothing about the altar. Nothing. I will not answer to my God, having been given the incredible privilege and honor to pastor a church, to minister and teach, to disciple. And our children get into their 30s and have no knowledge of the altar. Have no knowledge of the fire of God, of the power of God. This is who we are, guys. This is what we believe. Are you with me? So there's this whole concept of the brazen altar as it being our heart, as being our mind of who we are. Let me talk to you about fire for a second. The phenomenon of combustion manifested light, flame, and heat. Fire is one of the four alchemists, alchemists, air, water, fire, and earth. Notice this, air, water, fire. You read the Bible, air and water were not created. They're already there. You say, well, where did the fire come from? It's a good question. Have you ever ask that, where's the first fire? Be a good one for the, for the uh, Darwinisms. where did the first fire come from? Bible tells us, God is fire. God created the earth. Friends, you know in Malachi what the sun is called? With capital letters, Sun S U N of righteousness with a capital letter. That's his ball of fire. And last I checked, you can you can talk about and, and and just say I don't know about that burning bush, it was probably just some tinsel and the light was on it just right, not it? You explain that one to me. And you can't even get close enough to it to study it. But it came down on Saul one day, blinded him. He'd been resisting. Not gonna worship God, I'm gonna worship Phariseeism. God said, okay, buddy, I'll show you a thing or two. Son of righteousness. And you know what the son of righteousness gonna come to? Not destroy you, he's gonna bring healing to your wings. Some people don't want to be healed because it gives them the right to gripe and complain. Gives them the right to blame other people and be ugly and be mean and retaliate. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God has a way, but there will be an eternal fire. Matter of fact, they tell me it's hotter inside the pit of the earth. Alchemists. There's a fire burning in the pit of the earth. It's called hell. It's called hell. And it's eventually going to dissolve all of this. But you can either be consumed by the fire or destroyed by the fire. I think that would give us enough reason to go, where's that invitation? Yeah. Yeah. It's in this message. An invitation is a message. In fact, the invitation doesn't just tell you you're invited. It tells you what you're invited to. Fire is, here's the definition of Fire. Is burning passion, liveliness of imagination, inspiration? Fire is a destructive burning. Fire is a transitive verb to set on fire, kindle or ignite, to give life or spirit to inspire, to fill with passion. God wants to fill you with his power, his passion. He wants to give you his spirit. Matter of fact, John came around saying, John the Baptist says, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. few people knew that. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. fire. Say that, and fire. fire. It's just part of God's plan. Luke 24. Pick it up in verse 11. I'm going to take you to where the invitation was made known to me, and I want to make it known to you. I'm not going to take much more of your time, but listen to me, please. Very, very, very important. Pick it up in verse 11. You need to understand that they've just gone to the tomb. They found out Jesus isn't there. Mary comes back. She tells Peter and John, and they get all stirred up. But everybody else, in verse 11, it's very important to see where these people really are. And their words seem to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. You know, sometimes when I preach, I talk about miraculous things. I talk about uh, things in the Bible. Sometimes I know that feeling. I know that feeling that people seem like it's just an idle tale that I'm telling or people, uh, did that really happen? I, I mean, I've mean, i had people ask me that before. I'm like, you must not think much about my character if you think I'm going to tell you a lie in public that you have to come and ask me, did that really happen? What they're really telling me is, I don't believe. That just seems like an idle tale. I don't believe that really happened. I wonder if we really took a deep look that we might, not find, out some, we might find out some things that we don't really believe. Or we just think it's an idle tale. It's just some, some little fairy tale that's out there. So that's where they were. That's a pretty bad place to be, wouldn't you believe? Yeah. It's a pretty bad place to be. We'll pick up in verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. Doesn't sound like a real big event, does it? Two guys going to some city, it's not even called that anymore, and it's a village. It's not even a big city, it's just a village. So they're walking down the road, and they're, they're seven, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. I shared this two years ago. Uh, that would be about a two hour and 20 minute walk for an average person, two hour and 20 minute walk. And they're going back to, to, to Emmaus from Jerusalem. They had heard all the things that had taken place, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. Now, now that to you and I today. Uh, maybe coming back from here, there, wherever, we could talk today of what happened in the SEC. We could talk today of what happened in the NCAA rankings. We could talk today of what happened in the, and, and the Yankees Astro game. There's, there's a lot of things to talk about. There's a lot of things. And that's okay, there's a lot of things going on. We could be talking about, I think someone told me, T.D. Max opens up today. And I know I, that's probably why some people aren't here right now. It's like, well, if we had an early service, I would have gone. Don't think that doesn't happen. Things, this thing is all about things. Jesus said, seek ye first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I got a funny feeling for those of you that wait here until we get out about three o'clock and the crowd's already in there, you're gonna go in there and there's gonna be something mispriced in there. It's gonna be your size for $2.49. Yeah. Now that's a fable right there. But God said, first things first. And so these guys are walking down, they're talking about all the things. What have you been talking about? Matter of fact, especially, watch this. Especially when you come to church, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the prayer he answered? Talking about the intercession spirit you you took on? Are you talking about what happened in church four years ago? Are you talking about, you know, uh, what happened? These guys are having a conversation. You say, well, what's the importance of that? We're going to find out. Jesus is interested in what they're talking about. Your conversation can draw the presence of Jesus this is what happens here just, so while they were in converse and having this conversation and reasoned so they weren't just having a conversation they are going deeper in a conversation they were just hearing somebody I, I sat down next to somebody at dinner the other night and I did not know this guy I in a certain city and all he wanted to talk about was him I don't like those kind of conversations I don't like getting into the conversations that they never ask you a question back and it's like they're waiting for you to give them another set that they can tell you how great they are or how bad things are it doesn't matter this one side. These guys are reasoning. They're trying to figure this stuff out. They're trying to go through, well, what about this? And what they're pulling from this and that. They're having a they're having a deep conversation. And this is what happens. It says as they as they converse and reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. You no, know, you need to understand. Uh, Jesus has died, has been buried, they can't find him. The stone was rolled away. There's angels there. There's disciples there. These guys are just walking down the road, having a conversation, not sitting on the bar stool at some cafe. Maybe you can be. Not over here. What is a conversation? It doesn't matter where you are. He will draw near to you. Are you talking about Jesus? Are you talking about weather? Are you talking about what are you talking about? Are you with me? So he shows up there, but their eyes were restrained, So that they did not know him. There's a restriction in their eyes. They don't have revelation. In verse 17, he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you are having with one another as you walk and you're sad? Jesus is interested in their conversation. Can I just say this to you? Jesus is interested in your conversations. And if you're griping and complaining, you're backbiting and stabbing, he's still concerned. He's still concerned. He's concerned at the result of what that conversation is having in you. Does that conversation make you feel good? Does it make you hate? Does it make you jealous? Does it make you insecure? He's concerned about what that conversation is doing to you. That should be a real startling awareness. Because I wonder how much idle talk we do. I wonder how much idle conversation we're in that's not going to produce anything. He doesn't want his church in idle right now. He wants it in full gear. Amen? And then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? In other words, saying. I don't know you, and I don't know where you came from. Wait a second, wait a second. (laughs) This is the very guy that they've been serving for three years. This is a guy that that they have been believing in. This is a guy that they have been uh, following. This is a guy that's been teaching them for all these years, all this minutes. They've seen him do signs, wonders, miracles, and he's saying, I don't know you. You're a stranger to me. Stranger things are yet to happen. He said, and have you not known the things which happened here in these days? He said to them, what things? Tell me more. So they said, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet. Is he a was God to you or an is God to you? He was good to me. He was there. I was, but now I'm not. He's not a past tense God. He said, who was a prophet? Mighty indeed in word. He used to be mighty, as powerful in word. Before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him be condemned to death and crucified. But we were hoping. Did you hear that? He was a prophet and we were hoping. Has your perspective changed? Have you lost your faith in Jesus? Have other things become more important? than Jesus he said we were hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel indeed besides all this today is the third day since these things happened. so so what he's really saying here is we were hoping he was going to do what we wanted him to do Uh, really in their time they was hoping that they would change their government And, and you might have that perspective today I'm with the brother who said it just the other day. It, it, it Jesus, uh, Jesus didn't come uh, 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 to be uh, elected or to serve. He came to reign. Jesus is always king. Not for four years, not for eight years, not for whatever the queen was. He's always king. He reigns. Are you with me? That's the Jesus we serve. And things don't change on what happens in people's lives when our faith is in Jesus there really needs to be a harder amen because as a shepherd, I go, oh. That's kind of like when I say things like that, it's kind of like open your mouth, ah, put your tongue out, oh, you've got some culture in you. You've got some worldly culture in you. That's why you don't have the energy you need to have. That's why your faith is not working. That's why. He said, but we were hoping that it was he who was gonna do all these things for us. Friends, listen to me. We don't come to church so he can do things for us. We come to church because of what he's done for us. We come to church for who he is and what we can do for him. Yes, and certain women of our company arrived in the tomb early astonished when they told us they did not find his body, and they came saying that he also seen a vision of angels who was alive. I I don't know, but that would have been enough for me. Excuse me, excuse me, you said what? They saw angels and visions. And why are we doubting? Why are we doubting? They're, they're here to help us. There's supernatural things going on and we're concerned about things that we were hoping for. And then he said to them, oh, foolish ones. Could you imagine having a conversation with Jesus? He goes, oh, foolish ones. I've been in a place, I've told you before. I'm worshiping, he goes, you liar. And it's like... Okay, you must be right. Because I was saying one thing and doing another. Oh, foolish one, slow of heart. Slow of heart. Have you ever, have you ever, uh, Gretchen kind of tickled me the other day. <laughs> I didn't know where it was going to fit in, baby. But, but she, she, she said, oh, she found an old note. You know, we're moving some things around now. She finds this old note. She goes, oh, these are some revelation I have on Camping. <laughs> camping. How can you get a revelation where you've never been? <laughs> and I just kind of perked my ears. I thought this is going to be interesting. Uh, Hannah might have been standing there. You're sitting there with wouldn't you, Hannah? And, and she starts reading it, and, and I realize she's having that moment. And if you've ever done this before, you read the Bible and you're like, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, and then you read it again, and you're like, I yeah. didn't. Mean. I don't know what I was feeling over there, but I, I don't know what it was. But she starts reading it, and I'm like, mm, there was there. no unction on it whatsoever, yeah. you know. My point is: Have you ever gone camping and had to start your own fire? Somebody—I don't know who it was. Maybe you're in here right now. But one day I walked in my office, and it was left to be found. Was this little leather band and this little metal thing, and and this other that you could make sparks with—fire starter? You know, rubbing those sticks together. Slow of heart Mm -hmm. is a good indication that the fire ain't burning. It's not lighting. You don't have the right stuff in order. Are you with me? And to start a fire, correct me if I'm wrong, if you do it that way, where's all my campers in here? Raise your hand, Gretchen. Yeah, all all my (laughs) campers in here. If I'm not mistaken, I'm almost done. Be with me. Joel, you can come just so that they can can get, slow hearts can start burning up. (laughs) Is you have to get close to it to start it. You have to get close to this to start it. Listen. The invitation is only good as the in that you do. Amen. You're going to have to come to it. All right. Listen. So he goes on. He says, "Oh, slow, uh, foolish one, slow of heart to believe and all that the prophets have spoken." Now, watch this. Ought not the Christ have to suffer these things to enter into His glory? Y- you need to understand. Jesus said, I have told you guys over and over and over and over and over again, I'm going to have to die. No, no, you're not going to die. I mean, Peter's gotten his ways, you know, He's like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I've been telling you guys these things. Yeah. There are scriptures that you and I read that we want to tuck away and not believe because we don't want them to happen because they're not what we're hoping for. They're not the way we want it to be, right? So he said... In verse 27, well, this, this is amazing, this verse. I just have two verses left for you. And beginning at Moses, this is Jesus walking with them. Tell me you wouldn't want this. At the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, so from, from Moses, Exodus 2, all the way through Malachi and John the Baptist, it says, In the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. Right then, they might be two minutes in a two-hour and 20-minute walk, so they got two hours and 18 minutes left walking with Jesus. He asked just a few questions. We are you guys talking about? Let me talk to you for a while. And he walks him. Think about that. The good teacher. He walks him, Becky, for two hours and 18 minutes, give or take. And he explains everything to them about him from Moses to John the Baptist. He said, all the law and the prophets hang upon these. He most likely started to explain to them about the prophet named Jesus. Two hours and 18 minutes? Man, two minutes, or 18 minutes, we're looking at our watch going. Not the burning hearts. Takes a little while to get a fire going. But he started one. Gets real interesting. They drew near to the village. Remember, they had a place to go where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther. Now you can stop the next verse and go, man, that's awesome. They constrained him and they said, Don't go any further. Come stay with us. I I, I. One of my biggest concerns with church is that they come to a knowledge of something and then they stop there and they hold that as this that's the way it's always going to be they constrain him and they make him a, a Methodist they make him a, a Pentecostal they make him a, a Baptist yeah because it never changes this is what we believe and bless God if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else but this is what we believe they constrained him they got a good revelation they got a great knowledge of His grace, a great knowledge of his, of his Spirit, but then they pulled Him in. Did you hear what I said earlier? He indicated, I've explained to you everything from Moses, now I'll explain to you all the way to the book of Revelations. I will walk with you, I'll go further with you, my heart is on fire, my heart, but you sit there and you wanna just hang out here? I'll leave something with you, and it'll be what you have to do, but Jesus wants to go further with you. Some of you in here don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's because you don't walk further with Jesus. Some of you don't believe in healings and miracles. You don't believe in deliverance. You don't believe in spiritual things. You don't believe in angels and demons. Well, maybe as decorations and maybe as entertainment, but you don't believe in them, but they exist as a spiritual warfare. And Jesus said, I will explain all things to you. I invite you to walk with the flame of God. I'll be your pillar of fire. I will be all that you need. I will be the fire of the Holy Ghost in your life if you'll just walk with me. Jesus wants to go further and take you further than where you are Jesus walks into their house you say well I thought you said well he'll go where you ask him he didn't stay there he's not bound by your religion he's not bound by your levels of knowledge that you want to live in but he's still a distributor so Jesus comes into their house they're sitting there Their eyes are still blinded. Don't feel sorry for these guys. Their eyes are still blind, restrained. Jesus takes the bread, which is the presence of God, which is the word of God, which is an illustration that he taught, I am the manna from heaven it is the manifested presence of God he gave them an illustrated sermon and he broke it he said I was broken for you I was slain for you I'm being set apart from you but I'm going to give to you what you need from me so you can live like me he broke it he blessed it He spoke happiness. Remember, they had a conversation that was making them sad. Some of you right now are fretful to go to work on Monday because you're not going to make enough money because you don't have enough business. If you start talking the kingdom talk, God will line up with you. God will put a blessing in front of you. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. God will provide for you. He is Jehovah Jireh. He has never stopped nor taken a day off. Some of you are afraid to go to the doctor tomorrow because you might get a bad report. I'm here to tell you, you can come to Jesus today and get the report of the Lord. All these things are possible. There's people sitting in here who could not have babies and now have babies. It's possible. There's people in here who are lonely that now are in a family. This is what he does. He broke it. And what did he do? He gave it to them. He gave it to them. You know one thing that is a must to finish and make bread? Fire. Fire. He's the man. He's the bread of life. He's the provision. And then they looked at one another. He vanished. Vanished before them. Now listen, Here's some guys that are hearing about an empty tube and not believing anything. He vanished. Said he was going to. Now he vanishes in front of them and their hearts are on fire. When he gave them the bread, their eyes were open to see who he was. They had revelation. They had impartation. They had provision. They had blessing. They had responsibility. As he does to you, so you do to others. He distributed. You are the body of Christ. You are somebody's fresh loaf. You are somebody's portion. You are somebody's blessing. You are somebody's hope. You're the fragrance. Have you ever smelled bread before? It'll make you hungry. You start licking your lips before you know where the kitchen is. You're somebody else's fragrance. You're somebody else's hope. You're somebody else's revelation. I don't know how else to say this, but if you want to respond to the invitation of the fellowship of the burning hearts, I'm just gonna invite you to the altar. I'm gonna pray over you. I'm gonna pray over your life. I don't know for the life of me why nobody would want to be, but that's your choice. I'm just gonna pray a prayer over you. I'm not gonna take you any further than that. Jesus' vanish. I'm getting ready to vanish, friends. I'm getting ready to hop in my truck and go somewhere. This is a gift from God that God would invite us into the fellowship of the burning hearts. You're going to get revelation in it. You're you're going to get a purpose in it. Those guys, and when they got that revelation, Pastor Matt, they packed up their bags and they went to tell people about Jesus. They went to encourage the saints. You ought to look around in here. I mean, you can leave it for us as staff as much as you want. But you ought to look around and say, who's not here today? Who's not attending today? Who hasn't been here for three or four weeks? Call them up. Reach out to them. Go knock on their door. Send them a text. Hey man, just want to let you tell you, let's know I miss you, I love you, care about you. You might intersect somebody. Could you imagine that? The Holy Ghost moves on you. Somebody by the name of Tim, or somebody by the name of John, somebody by the name of Lucy, and all of a sudden you're like, man, they haven't been in church in a long time. And the Lord says, go see them. Oh, they haven't been in church in a long time. They won't be happy to see me. They'll think I'm trying to get them to church. And finally, out of sweating bullets, you walk up to their door, and you knock on their door, and they're getting ready to pump themselves, inject themselves some heroin. They're getting ready to take some fentanyl or something like that. And you walk in,
1: and you keep them from becoming a drug addict. You keep them from overdosing. They might be getting ready, like Rick Rebels was that time when somebody knocked on his door with a piece of banana bread and they knocked on his door and behind the door was a pistol he's getting ready to shoot himself with. He said, God, I'm getting ready to kill myself, but I was sure would like to have some banana bread. And somebody from Love Thy Neighbor knocks on the door and gives him a loaf of banana bread and the man gets saved and now he preaches the gospel. Now he's married. Now he has a family. Now he goes to after and preach. I'm here to tell you somebody's waiting for a loaf of bread. He's waiting for a piece of bread. Distribute what you have. I declare over you now. You are invited to the fellowship of the burning heart. I don't know what it's going to look like in your life. I don't even know what it's going to look like in my life. But we will burn for Jesus. We will burn with Jesus. We will be lit on fire for Jesus. I declare over you that you'll be provided for. I declare over you, you will be blessed. I declare over you, you have revelation. I declare over you, you'll have purpose. I declare over you, every promise that he has for you will be yes and amen. I declare that something shifts and something changes today. I declare that he is leading you. He's lighting you on fire. You will be lit by Jesus and something will burn different in your heart. Your appetites are going to be different. Your interests are going to be different. Your time. Is It's going to be different, but I'm here to tell you, that's what Jesus does. He makes us different. Amen. He makes us different. I invite you, all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes, Lord. Why don't you do that on the count of three with a loud voice and just acclaim? I'm going to be a part. I accept the reservation. I declare it right now. Always make a first response. One, two, three. Come on, give the Lord a praise. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. May the Lord our God speak to you. May the Lord our God walk with you.
0: May the Lord our God be the flame of provision in your life. May He be your bread. May He be your fullness. May He be your joy. And may He be your revelation. May God bless you with protection provision and a shalom peace upon your life I declare this in Jesus name